You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Aaron Harks. Hello, hello, hello. This is Erin Harks with the Mistress of None podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am recording today from the great Sakandaga. I'm up here uh, with some of my comedian friends who I brought up last night to do a show in Saratoga and then tonight in Sakandaga and thought to myself, what can they do between the time they have to check out of the hotel and show up for the next show? And so my friend was nice enough to give us access to his home, and it's a beautiful day, a beautiful, unseasonably warm October day. Of course, it's been dead silent the entire time we've been here until I started to record, so you're going to get some water sports in the background. There's going to be some jet skiing, maybe some boats. We're just going to play it by ear, but, you know, this has been a super professional podcast so far, so I'm sure that if we derail a little bit, it's not the end of the world. Uh, So today I'm speaking with a comedian. Um, I'll talk about her in just a little bit, but I had a pretty interesting week when it comes to um, taking criticism, I think, is interesting with what we do for a living. It's not that I can't take it, but it definitely, I'm, I'm very sensitive and I think a lot of artists are. And so sometimes when you're told something that makes you feel like you're not doing a very good job, you know, when people tell you not to take things personally, in this case, it's 100% personal, you know? Because they're like you, the thing that you love doing the most is not good to me, is what they're telling you in so many words. And uh, this one individual that I worked with for a long time that I want to continue working with gave me some of this constructive criticism. And Honestly, it it was a pretty significant blow, but luckily for me, what I do, what I try to do is take it and, you know, once I walk it off, so to speak, I, I use it to try and be better at what I do. Uh, It's hard to work as a comedian in upstate New York. People from out of town that I book from other cities from New York or Boston or Montreal will always say to me, oh, if I come up to do your show, maybe I'll stay for a few days and check out the scene there. And then I have to sadly tell them that there really is no scene in Albany. I mean, no disrespect to anybody else that's doing what I'm doing or doing like-minded things, but overall there isn't a scene. There's one and a half comedy clubs, There are bar shows uh, regularly, but as far as a scene, it's not like when you go down to New York. Like if I went down to New York, I could pick up spots pretty much any night of the week. Up here, you're more apt to get something on the weekend, occasionally a Wednesday or a Thursday. Like some of my shows are, are off nights depending on the venues that I work with. And so because of that, because of my love for comedy and my want to do comedy, I have created my own opportunities and I produce my own shows and I bring in comedians from out of town and I try to work with some locals without oversaturating them. But when I produce the show, I usually host it and I do the first bit up bit to warm up the crowd before I start bringing uh, new people up. And I've always kind of prided myself on writing new material, which could go great. It could go terrible. 
for the most part, I've been having some pretty good luck with it. I've been writing a lot to make sure that I'm keeping it fresh, that I'm doing new things every time. And you know what? I, I did my show somewhere and I had an off night. I had flown like 12,000 miles in a couple of weeks. I had a sinus infection. Um, the crowd was not lovable. And I just, I feel like I just did completely horrible. And I was the first one to say it um, as soon as I got done. But the show wasn't about me. It was about warming up for the other comedians. And so I did my job and moved it along to them. But I wasn't happy with it at all. And I had already felt pretty bad about it. To be fair, like I ended up going to bed for like four days after that. I caught up on all of it. I'm, I'm feeling better now. I got really knocked out. Um, but it was discussed further about, you know, what I'm going to do moving forward with producing shows at, at certain places. And yeah, I guess I didn't take the constructive criticism very well, considering that I already knew that I sucked out loud. But it's just it's just a funny thing. Like I said, it's just a small area up here and I'm working as hard as I can and I'm, I'll, I'll learn from it and I'll make sure that it's better every time. And uh, the show that I do monthly up in Saratoga at UPH, I record it every time and I listen back to it and I take notes and I make sure that I don't repeat any of the jokes. So that one, because it's on a regularly set schedule, I'm actually very aware of what I've done and what I'm going to do to make sure, because I want people to come back every single month. I don't want them to sit through the same set. I would never make them sit through the same set. And I explain to them up front that I'm going to try some new ones and some of them are going to tank and some of them are going to soar. And the audience up there has been great. They've been really good sports uh, for for every show that we've done since we started in June. And so I'm hoping that that grows. Um, we're looking to expand. My dream is to move that show. We're in the community room downstairs, which holds just over 100 people, and it's a beautiful space. But if you have ever been to UPH, the upstairs is the crowning achievement. It's gorgeous. It's, a, it's an old church that they rehabbed into this beautiful concert space. And so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this elevates where we can bring comics in from all over the place and we can have these shows upstairs. And part of that is making sure that I write and that I keep it fresh and that I get repeat offenders every single month. And we had a great one this week and we're going to have a great one next week or next month. And, um, so if you're listening and you are near Saratoga, it's the first Wednesday of every month at UPH, Universal Preservation Hall. Um, the tickets are usually put up on my website uh, one month prior. Uh, and last night I was there with my good friend, Ashley Austin Morris, who is not only a comedian, she's also an actress. Uh, we've known each other for nearly a decade and we've worked together multiple times. She is very funny, very quirky, she's adorable. Uh, she works well in all different settings. I've, I said this to her just today. I can bring her to a place like in Saratoga where people might drive a little bit more with some of her like city stories. 
but she's also originally from Texas, and so I can take her to a place tonight in Broad Alban at Great Sakandaga Brewing. Um, I say tonight, but you're listening to this after the fact, so it's too late. But we sold out anyway, so you couldn't come even if you wanted to. But she does great in both settings because she has that, you know, hometown girl, like, southern feel. And so that's what's great about working with her is that she can work with either of those audiences and really shine. And so I was really excited to sit and speak with uh, Ashley Austin Morris. So stick around. She's coming right up. This is Mistress of None podcast. You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Aaron Harks. All right. This is the Mistress of None podcast. I am Erin Harks. I am here today with Ashley Austin Morris. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm good. I love you. I love you. We are. We have the best backdrop today for this. We I do. don't always share the video, but I'm definitely going to share this one because uh, we had some downtime. Ashley was up here last night for my show at UPH. It was so fun. It so was fun. so fun. She did so great. You all did. We all did. It was great. It was a great crowd. Yeah. And then, luckily, because Ashley loves me, she said that she would stay for another night and do the show in Broad Alban tonight. So fun. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. And so yeah. I was like, well, what to do with them between uh, checkout? Because mm-hmm. that's whenever I'm on the road, I'm always like, how can, what's the latest checkout I can get? Thank you so much for doing that. Because I'm always like, oh, like I check out and then my show isn't until like eight. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, there's only so much time I can spend at Target. I know you're Walmart, but um, I'm Target. No, no, no. I No, it's not that. It's that. Not that you're Walmart. That was a horrible thing to say. But. No, I'm Dollar General, <laughs> and I need you to prun- to protect my pronouns. They're Dollar General. Okay, Miss General. I need you to respect me. General Dollar. Listen. <laughs> so anyway, so my friend said that we could crash here for a few hours, and this is, like, honestly the most glorious day up here at uh, Lake Sakandaga. It's beautiful. The great Sakandaga Lake. So It's so beautiful. It's Stop and Shop Lake. It's so... What are you saying? Sakandaga? Sakandaga. What is, what is this language? It's probably Native American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. By the way, I wasn't trying to make fun of pronouns. I'm just Dollar General. She wasn't, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's making fun of herself. I'm we, making we, fun of myself. The listeners know that. It's okay. fine. It's fine. I so, Ashley... Name. Thank you so much for coming up and doing these shows and doing my podcast. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. I love working with you. And I, yeah, I just always love working with you. And I think I was like, can I do any shows in the future? I think I asked you. I, I think we just, we talk from time to time. Yeah. It just comes up. But like, yeah. it's not like you. I always love your audiences too. I, I, I pride myself on having some pretty good audiences. Yeah, you do. I think really I, do. yeah, I think like uh, I work with really good venues and mm-hmm. I make sure that like, I mean, somebody started talking like during your set and that woman, Teddy at UPH was laughing because I got up and did one of these like. Who was talking? Just some woman in the back. Oh, okay. And it obviously wasn't loud enough for you to know. No, I didn't know but, this, like, I but went, thank you. I went like. But thank you for doing that. You know, that's why it helps that you're a comic because you're, you're sensitive to stuff like that going on. Yeah. Um, you're also really, really, really great host which those people don't understand that's not always 
People can't always do both. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I never really liked hosting. Nobody um, does. I like it. But now I do. Mm-hmm. Like when I first, every time I do a new show someplace, what I do is I'll headline the first time. Mm-hmm. That way it's no risk. I'm like, if nobody shows up, if yeah. we don't make any money, if we bomb, are we got. All right, we have we have to at least say hi to her. She's clearly trying to get in the shot. We have the Messiah, Christine Berg, in the background. All right, she's out of view now. Okay, all right, we can't see anymore, so put your arms down. Anyway, so I'll usually headline the first one, so it's no risk. You know, I get locals, like my, my local crew that I know will take a hit with me if we have to, but it usually goes well, and then I yeah. take over the hosting duties, and I bring in different headliners. Yeah. And so every time I get a new venue, it's like usually the same roster. Like, I get you, I get Kelly McFarland, I get, like, yeah. the Jay McBride, I get the, you know, and then, but, like, each time I get to meet more women. Like, last night you yeah. brought some guests with you, and I, you know, I have known Christine. I worked with her before, but I got to meet uh, two other fantastic yeah. ladies, and, like, that, that's what I'm hoping for because mm. – I know that sometimes I don't always get to pay very well for shows, mm-hmm. but I know that a lot of New York comics, some of them really love the opportunity to be able to do more than five minutes yeah. and maybe make some money. And yeah. so it, so some I people like it. it works and some people it doesn't. I love it. I, lo- I love it because I love working with you. I love coming up here. I love these audiences. I think it's really important for um, big city comics to get out of the city, to, ne- to know that they're – material is not just like coastal elitist you know what yep. i mean like because it's there, new york city is not a, is not a real city it's its own <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. like listen i love new york city i thank god every day i get to live there but it's not like an accurate representation of most cities in america you know yeah. what i mean in um, fact the reverse is true like when i go down there yeah like i'll tell i told joke at a stand-up new york uh, a few years ago is that the upper east side upper west side. upper west yeah. side and I, my joke was about how, like, I don't go to the gym if the parking sucks because I'm not going to walk oh, like right. a mile. And they, like, looked at me. I was like, you know oh, what? Yeah. Fuck you. I know you don't drive, but you know yeah. what I mean. That's like, the thing is, like, you've heard of a parking lot. You know what I'm talking <laughs> right. about. Because they weren't just, like, not laughing. They were looking at me like, <laughs> what is, who what drives is she drives? to the gym? And I'm yeah. Like, so the reverse is true. I think it's always smart to get out of your element. And also it's like you – all we are is trying to build audiences, mm-hmm. right? And it's – and I don't know. I've just I, – I always love coming up here. I like that last night somebody said, I really loved the show. I loved that it was all different kinds of women. I loved that too. And I think that's one thing I really love about working with you is, like, women from all different perspectives. all the, And also we've both aged and changed as comedians. Absolutely. And we've known each other a decade. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like we've been working. I wouldn't have even gotten to do an album if you hadn't been like, I think you should do an album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that we've done a lot together over the years. And in this business, who the relationships you foster are so much more important than, than yeah. people realize. And the older you get, the smaller your circle gets. Thousand percent. Because it's, it's like quality over quantity. Thousand percent. <clears throat> and I think for me, I'm always looking for ways because like I, I have – you know, I, I don't think I'll ever, like, make it, quote, unquote. I feel successful. I feel happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. But for myself, like, I might not be, like, marketable enough on, like, a, a main stage somewhere. And so I'm always looking for ways to stay involved mm-hmm. in it from another perspective. Like, you know, we, we had discussed uh, public relations. And yeah, PR yeah, yeah. And producing the shows and right. learning all the different aspects of it so that, you know, like I was saying earlier, 
there aren't many opportunities up here, so I have to create my own. Right. And so that's. But I think that that is success, right? No, like, yeah, I don't not... think that I'm not successful. I just right. don't think I'll ever be like a household name, and that's okay. I don't even know if there are any of those anymore. There's a if few. If you think about there's a few, but, like, social media makes it where everybody can have their own amount of fame in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And so there's very few, like, actors or comics that, like, Everyone knows now. Yeah. It's crazy. The divide between famous and not famous, like there used to be some like mildly famous. Right. And like some in-betweens and everything. And now I feel like it's like open my comic, Amy Schumer. Yeah. And like nothing in between. Because I'll book somebody that has like the most ridiculous, fantastic credits. And Mm -hmm. I'll say to the audience, like, you guys don't even know how lucky you are to see this comic for $10. Do you even realize that? And I'm like scrambling to sell tickets. And it's Mm -hmm. not because of the comic and it's not because of me. It's just like people are like, meh. But it's like you say like one tier up. And yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah. I know him. I know him. So it's just, yeah. it's weird. It's, it's like, I think we used to have like five stations. Yeah. And now we have a million people on, ins- like, yeah. you know, that you, you can choose your own adventure of the internet. Yeah. And we used to have like, oh, there was Comedy Central, HBO, ABC, NBC, Fox. Like, that was like kind of it. Yeah. So if a special came out on HBO, there was like probably three specials yeah. that year. Or if you make, now if you make like a viral video. Yeah. Like, you might not, like, because I've known some people that have made a viral video that I know, like, they're not terrible, but they're not the best comic I've ever seen. Right. And all of a sudden, they're, like, going on The Tonight Show because they got a million hits overnight. You're like, yeah. So that's why, I mean, like, people are always like, social media, but it's like, that's kind of what we have to do as comics now. Yeah, I think it's just part of it. And it, and, and, but more so than ever. It's like you have to find your niche and find something that's going to make you stand out from everybody else. So we try to make funny videos and we try to yeah. do things to increase our followers yeah. to get more fans at our shows. It's it's the nature of the beast. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm not, I don't know how to do it. Please follow me. Please. <laughs> Please. It's Ash Austin Morris. Please follow me. But, you know, you can just Google her first as well. And I'll, of course, tag her and all of this stuff. All that matters is the followers. I know. But, I mean, I'll I... I'll give you my baby if you... I'm just joking. <laughs> Jeff jogging. <laughs> High five. Your, your kid's first words are going to be just kidding. But, I mean, I recently worked with a, a, with a venue, uh, and they wanted me to produce a show there. And they said, we want somebody that has... And, like, this, it was so funny. It was their only criteria was we want somebody that has at least 10,000 Instagram followers. And I was like, okay, that's a fine criteria. But, like, so I found one, and I, I know this person, and they're great. Mm-hmm. But they have, like, no other credit. So I was like, okay, we're going to try that out. And then I found somebody with, like, even more followers, and I know that they're fucking terrible. Like, I'm wow. sorry. Maybe not my cup of tea. Maybe other yeah. people like it. But you know who I'm talking about. Like, there's some that, like, just yeah. rise up, and you're like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. a whole different world now than it used to be, than when I, I first started. Me anyway. too. Yeah. For sure. But I mean, like, I mean, my husband will make fun of me for making reels. He was like, what are you making? I was like, that's what I have to do. Yeah. And I think it's like, I I mean, we can bemoan it or we can just try to work really hard at our craft and think this is part of getting to do our craft, which it's like, I'm sure that when TV came out, uh, radio actors were like, what is this? You know, and when, when talkies came out, silent movie stars, there, every part of history has had this kind of big change where then the artists have to either maneuver, try to fit it, or get left behind. Yeah, you have and to I adapt. Think, I think that 
what feels scary, I don't know about you, but for me is like there seems to be this unspoken thing that like it's only for a younger group, this like new way of, of doing comedy online. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's we true. We just have to be as aggressive with it. I think it depends on, like, there's almost, like, tiers based on ages, you know? And the yeah. landscape is forever changing. Like, I felt like I was just getting a handle <laughs> a handle on Instagram, pun intended, and um, all of a sudden there's TikTok. Yeah, same. And so, like, if, it's almost like TikTok is, like, the youngest. Yeah. And then Instagram is, yeah. like, the younger to middle and then, like, older yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, I may be but wrong. You know I'm it's super anybody. it's super interesting because um a really well-known comic who sells incredibly well has a huge social media following. She said her most ticket sales comes from Facebook. And I, I got to be how honest, how old is she? Do you mind me asking? She's about my age. Okay. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you like no, she's probably a few years younger than me. I think more people come to my shows from direct contact through Facebook. Yep than any other platform and that's not like an old lady saying that like the social media manager of a club who was very young and pushing tiktok and youtube was like don't sleep on facebook like it actually has more and that's probably because the people that are on it have money to buy the tickets yeah i mean i use i use every single platform me too and i have a lot of luck with facebook yeah um i like yeah less luck with instagram i don't even know if tiktok works but I'm here for it. I got to yeah. try it out. But um, no, I, I would never sleep on Facebook because it's whatever avenue I use to get mm-hmm. the promotion out, to get the word out. But we're always having to learn new yeah. things and adapt to the ever-changing yeah. landscape. That and is like promotion. if we put it on its head, I guess it's good because it used to be like, do you know how we can get an agent? And nobody asked that anymore. No. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I care because of the acting stuff, but I mean for stand-up, nobody's like, so that's on one hand, that's really great. Right? It's yeah. like you can make a living without a middleman because you have these tools of social media. Yeah, but y'all, YouTube, we haven't even mentioned YouTube yet. You have to get have YouTube even, followers. Yeah. I know, right? I think I have like 300 YouTube followers. Ash <laughs> Austin <laughs> Morris. My family needs you. I have a family growing. We need you to follow us. I feel like this baby is like, this is my mom. Can she do? I feel like this baby's like. Are, are you making your announcement? Yeah, I don't care. When right. is this coming out? Uh, probably like three weeks. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Here's what I here's what I realized. Ashley's pregnant. I'm pregnant. Okay. Here's what I realized is nobody. This is a very. I think this is, must be in a very a very American thing that I am like. Oh, I don't agree with this at all. If it's for a, reli- a lot of religions, you're not supposed to announce. Mm-hmm. And I, I I support anyone's belief. Sure. Like you, I not that I support their belief. I respect anyone's yes. belief. Um. But I don't happen to be that religion. My religion doesn't have it. You know, I'm Christian. We can say whenever we're pregnant. But I think our society is like, oh, you're not supposed to say too soon because there's really high miscarriage chances. And then if you miscarry, you like announced it. And it's like, so then I should just not tell anyone. So if I miscarry, I can deal with that sorrow alone. Yeah. Like, that's a, no, that's a really good point. You know what I mean? That's and really and then point. Christine brought up a good point, which is like, no, it's probably so that three months from now, people aren't like, how's the baby? That's, and re-trigger you. So I get that. Yeah. Or like touching your stomach yeah. or whatever. So like I get all of it, but just for me personally, I don't know how to deny what I'm going through right now. Yeah. Like I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm like, I, my mouth is dry. I would, I need caffeine that I can't have. Like, I don't I don't know how to just keep that to myself. Yeah. Well, and that's fine. I don't think I think 
for some people, it's more of a superstition than it is a religion. Oh, yeah, I'm not superstitious. Yeah, well, yeah. but I mean, I like that people... Break... And then I just bleed out. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. That's Ashley. Ash Austin Morris. Um, Ash no, but I think that Austin people, Morris. I, I like that people break with tradition because a lot of this, is, it's based, it's rooted in like some real old school archaic bullshit you know and i think so, it's just the it's like how when joan rivers was when joan rivers made her debut on the ed sullivan show she was pregnant and not allowed to say it yeah well yeah because you can't even talk about the fact that she took dick you know well like, <laughs> ash austin <laughs> no, but it's like i just don't want i think that's the beauty of you comedy you do what you fucking want to we do. do what we want and also if I have a miscarriage, I'm going to have to talk about that on stage. And yeah. that's the beauty of stand-up. And she will. And that's the thing. Like, I I told the first joke uh, last night for the first time. I talked about how I accidentally drank alcohol a month ago. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Are yeah, you all right? I'm okay. But I talked about it. Holy cow. That must have been scary. It was terrifying. I, I picked up the wrong glass. I'm I'm honestly shocked that it in 13 years it hasn't happened yet. It's, like, the only time yeah, it happened. Yeah, especially because, like, work environment. Yeah. Um, but I'm super vigilant, but like some of it got in, I spit the rest of it out. I was really upset. I tried to throw up. I called my sponsor. I did everything I was oh, supposed to do. Thing. It was really, yeah, I, I went through a lot. I'm, I'm obviously feeling better about it now. I know that it wasn't a relapse cause it wasn't intentional. Of course not. But yeah. like how upsetting it was. I mean, I cried for like two days straight. Yeah. Like I was exhausted from crying my eyes out yeah. about it. And less than a month later, I'm like talking about it on stage yeah. because that's what we do as comics. I said, you know, I go, I know that it wasn't intentional because if I'm going to accidentally pick some shit up, I know it's not going to be some Huckleberry fucking lemonade. Like, right, you know, right, 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 right. Some Johnny Walker farm. Blue or like, you right. know, like some good shit. But, right. But I said wow. it and like I it got a great laugh last yeah. night and they don't know that I cried for two fucking days after right. I did that. Right. I think that, I think that's where I go. Oh my goodness. Like, this is the most incredible gift that we get to do. Like, yeah. first of all, we're a look like this. I don't see this. This is ridiculous. This no. is stunning. Your friend is so kind of let us do this. You are such a smart person to do it here. But like the fact that we get to take pain and uh, like I, the thing I'm probably the most embarrassed about in my life is my inability to spell and use grammar because I didn't go to school. Yeah. And like one of the jokes that I really, that people seem to like, I don't want to like be prideful, but is the one about I was homeschooled, except the books never came, so I was yeah. just home. <laughs> you know, I do love that joke. But it's like, oh yeah, because this thing, like, it really, it, there's not a single day that goes by that I'm not like embarrassed by my inability to know certain things that would have been taught in school. Yeah, but because we're comedians, we get to talk about this stuff, and I think it's so important. It's it's a kind of, it's a version of therapy. And some things are dark and some things like, mm -hmm. you know, don't hit the same way all the time. But back to that, because we were talking about like getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Geographically speaking, I've gotten to perform in a few different states around the country. And I know now, like, you know, south of the Mason-Dixon line, like, <laughs> you know, what not to say. Yeah. I know when you're in Ohio, you shit on Michigan. And when you're in Michigan, you yeah. shit on Ohio. Yeah. I know in Toronto not to make jokes about dead pets. I had a real bad experience about my cat. Are you hit by joking? I'm not joking. They love animals. I was like. I walked off stage. I love animals too, like, but no. 
Wow. But, so it's different wherever you go. They need to pick go. their, their – their, doesn't their prime minister, like, do blackface? <laughs> they have other things. <laughs> there's other things to be upset about. I know. But, hey, that's what you learn. But you learn that from that's being weird. on the road. But one of the things that I loved – I was in New York. And I, I love animals, but okay. Yeah, I did uh, Nice Try with Yeah, Michael yeah, Costa, yeah. I love that show. And I wrote this joke about my dad and because I have no relationship with my father. Right, same. And, like, I kind of blend, like, my dad and my stepdad because I had a relationship with my stepdad that wasn't a good relationship right and then i have my dad that i barely know so i just say my dad nobody needs to know the fucking difference when i'm on stage but the joke is like um i I was talking about a class that i took in new york city where i felt like a boomer because i was like easily 20 years older than everybody i was in that class with you well you were part of teaching oh that's right that's right that's right okay Jerk! I was um, a professor, but like I felt like I felt like Twenty One Jump Street in there. Like, how do you do, kids? You know, <laughs> like I was undercover. But um, I uh, said this one joke one day, and somebody's like, "Oh, that's a dad joke," and I was like, "Wait a minute, what's a dad joke?" I was like, "Is that like when he said like you're not really mine?" Or- <laughs> And I said some other, like, really, like, terrible things. And in New York, <laughs> it hit so well. Yeah. People laughed really hard. Yeah. Told the same joke a week later in, like, some upstate town like right. this. And they were like, oh. And I was like, and I made a joke, like, sorry, just because your dad's your boyfriend. You know, okay, but, like, that's funny. I yeah. know. But I didn't say that, but I wanted to say that yeah. because they were all bent out of shape. So it's like you learn about, but, yeah. you know, obviously I don't think it's hilarious that I had, like, a, pretty shitty childhood with like a, a right. jerk off stepdad and a yeah a distant real dad but i make jokes about yeah. it and i laugh really hard about it and that's part of the healing totally part of the healing yeah Abs- thousand percent part you of the healing to. thousand percent yeah thousand percent yeah and also that it's not that you don't do it until i feel like we don't really do it until we are healed that's what i think is important for the audience to know like I'm fine. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, if they think we're not okay, then it's not comedy. Yeah. But it's like, no, no, no. I'm here for your enjoyment. Yeah, like, don't feel bad You're for me. You're not my therapist. I've dealt with it with therapy. I'm here so we can laugh about it because I know even if it wasn't that exact situation, you were broken in the same way. Yeah. We all have... We've all been broken in the exact same ways. Absolutely. Just different, different little circumstances. No, and I and I think the same thing. It's like sometimes I'll start a premise or something, and it's something that you would think was sad. And occasionally you'll get a like, oh, I know. and I'm like, don't, no. Yeah. Don't feel bad for me. Like, yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, I know. This is funny to me now. It's funny to me, and <laughs> I'm adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it cute that my dad never loved me? <laughs> I got knocked up. <laughs> Isn't it cute that Ashley never learned to read? Yeah, that sucks. I got to sound out things. What's this say? Pa- ooh, all. Paul. That's, that's her husband. That's my husband. Why is he calling? Why is your... How old are you that your lettering was that big on your screen? What was that What are you talking on? about? He was sending me a picture. Oh, sorry. I saw that. Okay. I thought you had just a big text Look. like an old lady. Look at my husband sending me Bible verses before my show. Oh, that's cute, but put it away. Oh, sorry. <laughs> What time is it? We've got to be. Okay. Oh, it's almost time to go. It is. Okay. Well, no, we have a few more minutes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, my show. We can, it starts when we get there. So. Awesome. Nice. So what's, uh, now Ashley is also an actress. You have been on uh, Fleischman is in Trouble. We on can't Hulu. say any of the things. Oh, you can't? No, not until the strike is over. We oh. can't say any of the names. 
okay, I yeah. I will. You don't even have to. It's obviously that was a mistake. Yeah. Well, it's going to it's going to be back before this airs. I'm sure. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, but you have been on. And that was the best experience of my life. What you just said, which I won't say. Okay. <laughs> well, that show that we're not talking about was a great experience for Thank Ashley. You. Um. So with the writer strike, though, mm-hmm. is there anything on the pike, or is everything just all up in the air right now? I think everything's all up in the air because mm-hmm. it's like the writers got a good deal, and um, but out of solidarity, they're not going back until we can. That's what's been really beautiful is like the cross-union solidarity has been amazing. Well, because I saw how your union stepped up for the writers too. So that's Absolutely. And then if IATSE, which is like the cruise union, if they have to strike in early 24, I'm assuming we, no, I know we will, we'll all support them. And it's like, I think there was a lot of pushback online thinking that we were all just kind of being like really privileged people. It's like, no, we're all union workers. Most of us are not wealthy. Um, And you should do it too. Yeah. Like, your job is also at jeopardy yeah. because of AI. You should also be getting money from big corporate. Like no one in Don't this country. Don't get mad at me for sticking up for myself. Stick up for yourself. Because the thing is, is like these CEOs are stealing from, there's no more middle class in this country because they have taken it all. Yep. So it's like, it doesn't matter if I'm, that's why what UPS did was great. Every single worker in this country needs to start standing up to these people. Well, it's funny that you said that because I was going to say the divide between the famous and not famous is huge. It's similar to the divide between like middle class and or like yeah, uh, and the CEOs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like crazy. if you saw there is, there is no middle class anymore. There is no middle there class. There is no mildly famous comedians anymore. Right, right, right. And it's like. <laughs> It's corporate greed, and three people should not be making more money than every single person that works for them combined. Yeah, and you've seen some of these stories where somebody was like, you know, I wrote for, uh, like, a major network show. Emmy award-winning show. That has gotten syndication for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And they still have to they pick have a second job. shifts at fucking TGI Fridays. Yeah. So that's not greed. No, it's not greed. That's the thing is it's not standard greed. Standard of living. It's not even standard of living. It's it's fairness. It's, it's like absolute you fairness, actually yeah. did nothing and the artists that created your shows just like the just like the people that build the cars are not getting any uh, and it's like then uh, then take off your tie and go build the car. Yeah. And they talk about like some CEOs that like if they could give they could give each of their employees like a thousand dollars more a year and it wouldn't even affect them at all because no, they're making so much money. What the what um I don't know if it was the writers or SAG, one of the unions, I think it was the WGA. If the head of and I'm not gonna say what network took a one percent pay cut, it would meet every demand that the entire WGA asked for. One percent. One percent. Can you imagine if somebody asked you to just, can we have one percent of your money? Yes. And then every single person in your band could afford to pay their rent. I have that uh, change in my pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's no. like, but you know what I'm saying? It's like that's that's a level. That's being a sociopath. Yeah. That's actually such a degree of of disgusting corporate greed that every single like these big places that own hospitals and these nurses that aren't made every single industry in this country needs to be like we're we're 
done. Yeah. We are done with this. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like they see, well, now because it's upsetting their, their you know, TV viewing. Yeah, the fall, the fall lineup. Yeah. And so they're like, you guys are being greedy. Get back to work. And it's like, <laughs> no, we're not. We're fighting for what we believe in. Mm-hmm. You're just mad that you're not doing it as well. You should do it for your own job. You should do it for your own job. Yeah. But I also think people think that, um, and I, I, listen, I've always had a side job my entire life. I've worked since I'm 13 years old. I still have a side gig, like, by the grace of God. But most of my adult life, by the grace of God, I've made money in entertainment. But I've been homeless before. I've never had, like, this crazy, exuberant life. And I think that they think that it's not a real job. And so we're being complaining. And it's like, I can absolutely – you know what? If you work in a uh, mine or something – I can absolutely see your point of view, and you're right. I am so blessed that I get to go put on an outfit and pretend to be somebody else sure. and get lattes. Thousand percent. But I'm not asking for ridiculous money. No. And you're I'm not and I'm not even share. and I'm not even asking for like uh, I'm not even I'm going, wow, I'm so blessed to do this. I'm not even asking to only get to do that. Like I still have another job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't do just one thing, obviously. Like, I'm always doing different things. And when I take a step back from one thing, I fill it with something else. Right, right, right. Uh, Because that's just the nature of being self-employed and being, like, a private contractor. Right. I'm always looking for another way to make money just in case. Just in case one thing falls through. Especially since the pandemic. It's like, you never know. Nothing is guaranteed. And we need a backup. And to be clear, I think that people that work at mines. Absolutely work harder than actors. One hundred percent. Nobody's disputing but like, that. And they deserve way more money. hundred percent. But I don't but I'm not in that union. So I can only fight I for can the only union. Fight I'm for in. Me. Yeah. Do I think that like, you know, a nurse should make more money than me? One hundred percent. Thousand percent. And if there's a strike, I will go girl. I will st- Let's do I it. will st- I will bring you donuts. Let's do it. Like that's what I didn't understand about the backlash. Is I'm like, we're, no, no, no. We don't want your money. We want the- Well, it's I think with creative positions, people that don't do creative creative positions don't understand because it does seem kind of like a dream job right and it doesn't seem like hard work right and if you really like watch somebody or like take a day where you follow somebody and see what they do see the hours that they keep how it's not their only job how like they're they're up all night up all week for some Mm -hmm. things like the traveling and everything that goes into it like i've had people go oh what oh you played three hours last night you must be exhausted i'm like you think that that's all I did yesterday? Right. And I always tell people, and I pay taxes, and I support charities, and I do, like, my money does the same thing your money does. Yeah. Like, I didn't, that gig just didn't appear. Right. I had to book it. I had to promote it. Mm-hmm. I had to get there. I had to practice for it. I had to set right. up. I had to play. I had to break down. Right. I had to kick drunks away from my stage all night. Ugh. And then I had to break down and drive home. Yeah. So, no, I didn't just work three hours yesterday, but, mm. you know, go fuck yourself. So yeah. So, it's like. Yeah, you know, to each his own. But I don't think people get it unless they've done it themselves, mm-hmm. and it's not something that people can just try out. You can't just try a writing job, right, 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 for a week and just see how it goes, right? You have to be good at it to right. get that opportunity. Yeah, so. and you've normally given your pretty much your entire life to yeah the thing if you get to that level yeah. of success. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean I know people that like I've worked with that were comic that still are comics but got writing jobs. Um, and yeah. immediately we're like, I can't come do those shows yeah. because I'm working 17 hours a day. No, a- a- absolutely right. Yeah, while we're shooting, I can't leave the city. I can't oh, yeah, do anything. And course. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. But they're like, but I got this job. They're yeah. like, that's what they've always wanted. Yeah, so, 
you know, us creatives are just not understood. I know. I hope that doesn't sound because I'm like, I do know how privileged it is to have to to get if you get to pay your for me, if I get to pay my bills doing what I love, I'm like, oh, I'm the most blessed person alive. Yeah. I'm super grateful for it, too. Yeah. But I don't like when somebody assumes that it's not very hard. Work. Well, I just I was just like, I, but we don't want money from you. We I want I want money from the billionaire that is yeah. get you know what I mean? It's like, no, and you should strike, too. Like for me, that was the only thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, no, I'm just feeling underappreciated altogether, so I'm going to – no, I'm just oh. <laughs> Thank you. All right, have we reached – Ashley has a word count, a max, a We've word We've gone count. past it. You need to pray. Now we need Jesus. Okay. You didn't go past it. I have today. Well, it's just been so nice talking to you. I feel like we could talk for so much Me longer, too. so maybe I'll have you back on. I would love that. That would be great. I would love that. Um, I'm going to tag the hell out of her so that you can like – and follow and share her Thank stuff. You. She has an album out called Slightly Off. Yeah, it's, that you hosted one that of the I hosted. one of the shows. I didn't make the recording though, so I guess because that show I was loosey goosey. That wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. No, we didn't. Kidding. We didn't use any of that of the second show. Really, we none of it. We only used oh, the first show. Oh, that makes me feel better. Oh yeah, you thought we? No, I don't know. I just thought Megan introduced you better than no. Me. You're my I. Love the. That's why I always tell you do your things. I love. The, that's why I wanted you to do it. I love the way oh, you introduced oh, me. Oh, thank. I know. I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah. I was a little too excited, so I wasn't no, totally just, surprised. And but the only reason we we you didn't gonna, use any of the no, wow. and it was gonna be too hard to like take some from the second and put in the first. So no, it was just all the first. Oh wow! I thought the second show was amazing. Thank you. I was just looser, which was more fun probably for the night. Yeah, but not as good for serious. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm putting together mine right now, and it was really hard to pick from show one and show two. Like, in yeah. my mind, I was like, show two was better. And then we started listening. I was like, show one was better. Yeah, that's what and happened to me, And then we're comparing, too. and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me, too, is I thought show two was better. But, in fact, show one was better. If if you weren't in the audience yep. for that, like, thing that only happens in that night, yeah. then – Show one was better because it was like, these are the jokes. Yeah. The audience was better in show one. And so it was tough to pick, but there's definitely a lot of both in mine. And I'm excited to hear like the finish. Well, I probably won't listen to the finished product because I will just obsess way too much yeah. over all the mistakes I made. But um, that's why like my producer, Nick Angelo, I adore him because I he literally just did it all for me. Like I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. I know me, and I'm like, okay, I made the album, but I never released it. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Because well, I just want it. My first album I did, I just, like, let the label do it. And this one I was yeah. a little more involved with. But the first one, I wasn't happy at the end of the night. Mm. I was, like, okay with it. That's hard. But I knew that I shouldn't go through it. Yeah. But with uh, this one, I was super proud of it, and I wanted to be more hands-on. But working with, like, the audio producer, and, like, we're, it's mm. coming out as a video special, too. That's awesome. And working with both of them, I got to a point where I go, you can't show me anymore because I will destroy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to be done with this process. Yeah. I've picked. I've already started questioning myself. So. But check out Slightly Off on Thank iTunes. You. Also yes. on YouTube. Yes. If you like it, then share it with your friends. Thank you. Your handle on Instagram is Ash Austin Morris. Yes. Just Ash, Ash Austin Morris. Austin Morris. But her name is Ashley Austin Morris, Thank and you, you can Google her and find her all over the place. Thanks, and we love Sarah. her. And we I love hope you to have so you much. Back. I love you too. Oh, nice. All right. We'll see you soon. Okay, I'll see you soon. Bye. This is Mistress of None. I am Aaron Harks, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Aaron Harks.
Hello, hello, hello. This is Erin Harks, Mistress of None podcast. Thank you so much for listening. That was a really fun interview. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got a little out of sorts with trying to catch up with some other people that I had to get in by a certain time with my uh, sober anniversary. Things had to line up a particular way. So I record the interviews when I can. Uh, when I see the people, it's so much better in person. And then I... Um, you know, get them out when I can. And in this case, I got it out uh, a little bit later than I thought. But you know what? Like, seriously, take me back to that day because it was such a gorgeous day. And we just sat on the lake and talked. And I'm going to start releasing uh, the videos from some of these interviews, the ones that come out good. And you can see the backdrop and you'll see the sun setting a little bit. And it was really quite something. And it will take you to a nicer place in your own mind. Um, a couple of things coming up for me. Got some very exciting stuff coming up. Uh, tonight I will be at UPH for my Women Aren't Funny comedy series, a monthly comedy series. Uh, tonight we have Chanel Ali. She's been on MTV and Comedy Central. Super, super funny lady. Um, what else? Oh yeah, this Saturday I am, uh, opening for Kevin Farley at Putnam Place. Uh, all those tickets are available on my website, AaronHarks.com. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this next thing because it's been on my mind a lot. And I know it's been on a lot of other people's minds. And um, just a little bit of a trigger warning. It's going to be a very unpopular opinion on um, alcohol-related kind of stuff, I think. Um, either unpopular or just unsettling, but it's just how I feel. And it's just something that I wanted to talk about. Um, as a lot of you have heard, I mean, if you haven't, I can't imagine why, um, Matthew Perry died this weekend. Uh, the, one of the stars of friends and many other movies and TV shows, but most notably friends. Um, I read his autobiography, his memoir last year, um, I feel like I was one of the only people that really didn't like it. I, uh, I mean, it was super frustrating to read. A lot of times you just want to like reach through the page and like, I mean, I'm not saying that I could have been the one that could have saved him or helped him through all of these relapses that he went through, but it was just really frustrating to read. Hmm. One, it was frustrating to read because he kept repeating himself. He kept bringing it up like, here I am, star of the number one TV show in the world. And at one point he was talking about being in that and the whole nine yards when that was also at number one. So he's like, here I am, the number one TV show and the number one movie in the country. And and he, he just said that so often that I, I started to like let out like an audible groan every time he got to that part. Because I wanted to kind of be like, yeah, we we know we know that you were on that. Like, that's why we're reading this book. Um, so some of the things just seemed like a little like inarticulate and it was just kind of, it was frustrating. Maybe it was just me. Maybe it was just frustrating as somebody in recovery to read something like that. But it, it was upsetting to me was how he went through these like speedy detox kind of things. Like he, he had the money to do whatever he wanted. And 
um, he would do these things where he would, and they're like not advised. Like, I mean, I, I had never even heard of this until I read the book and I can't remember exactly what they were called, but it was something like a, like a rapid detox where they were basically just pumping him full of other drugs. And he kind of became addicted to these other drugs or like lesser opiates. And, um, I never had a problem with pills, so I'm not going to pretend that, I mean, I, I liked my share of pills and definitely took more than I should have. Uh, but not not like him. I mean, there were times where he was taking like like 40, 50 pills a day. And uh, but he never did a proper detox and he never did like a proper rehab. And even when he was like in rehab, he was still being pumped full of drugs. I remember when I got sober, I was given three different types of medications and one of them was Xanax. And I remember thinking that that wasn't a good idea. I guess I'm lucky that I had the wherewithal to go, what, you know, like I'm not going to trade in one addiction for another. So I'm, I am very lucky in this regard. And I'm not trying to pretend that, you know, it's, it's easy uh, for other people. And why didn't they get it? I'm just frustrated, I guess. I'm frustrated with his story. And I wish that, I wish he had a, a different life. I wish he had a different outcome overall is, is my blanket statement to all of this. But um, I remember thinking when I first got out of detox that one of the pills was for if I had any cravings. One of them was just, I don't even know what, what one of them was for. I can't even remember, honestly. And then the Xanax. And I remember thinking that Xanax wasn't a very good idea. And after a few days, I threw them all away. And I said, I don't want to replace one addiction for another. Now, when alcohol is the only drug that you could die from if you don't get proper detox help because your body will like hemorrhage. And so there are some drugs that they have to put you on just to make sure that you don't die when you're going through this detox. But to stay on that stuff, like I feel like that's just, again, it's just trading in one, one thing for another. And I want it to be like clean of all of it. I, and Xanax is just not a good idea for, for people who are sober. There are other options out there. It just seemed really irresponsible. But what was funny, I guess I was, I guess I was ready. And that's the edge that I have over other people that haven't gotten sober yet and haven't been successful with it. I was ready. You have to be ready. You have to want it. You have to want it more than you want anything else. More than your job, more than your relationship, more than more than anything, because if you don't have it, you don't have any of those other things. So you have to want it more than you want anything else. And some people just don't get there. And that makes me really sad. Honestly, it, it, it breaks my heart that people don't get there. I was in detox. I was in line. I was in a lot of pain um, because my last night out, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I, I woke up beat to shit. I don't know what happened to me. And um, I was in a lot of physical pain from that. They went down a line. They had us lined up every day uh, to give us our medication. And they asked us to tell them on a scale of 1 to 10 what our, what our pain scale was. And everybody was ripping off a number. And it got to me. And I just said 3. And they moved down the line. And this guy in front of me turns around. And he goes, why did you say 3. And I go, because I'm a three. And he goes, yeah, but if you say a higher number, they give you more drugs. 
And I said, I think you're kind of missing the point of why we're here. And I've actually made that joke like in my stand up before, because again, like lucky me that I had the wherewithal to, to realize that, like I could have manipulated these doctors into giving me some more drugs, but then what was the fucking point? And so I am, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky that I was ready and I was, I'm very lucky that I was ready to receive the messages and the help that was there for me. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm sad. I, I'm sad because I, I read that book and it was frustrating. And so when I heard that he died and, you know, people are like, oh, like celebrities who who gives a shit. And it's not, it's not about that. It's about just seeing another person who, who has it all from the outside who it seems to have it all like more money than God, you know, just every opportunity and all of these caveat, not so all of these like accolades and being on these shows and these movies. And, and he says throughout the book, it just wasn't enough. And that's sad. And I, I really wished that he could have gotten the help. They still haven't said that, you know, alcohol or whatever was a cause of death, but the man was just not healthy. And my my very unpopular opinion about this disease is that everybody has a different bottom. And some people have a really high bottom where they just, you know, they get in trouble one time and they get their shit together. And then there's people that almost die and then they get their shit together. And there's people that almost die multiple times and then finally get their shit together. And for me, like, I thought that I had a really low rock bottom, the way I woke up on the sidewalk, the way I, my blood alcohol alone should have killed me. And I remember going to one of my first meetings and sharing my experience and looking around the room and seeing people look at me like, yes, so what? Like they had done it multiple times. And it's important not to like, you know, compare yourself to other people because like I could have gone back out and done it a few more times. Uh, Who knows if I would have found my way in, you know? gotten my way back. So I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I've never relapsed, knock on wood. I don't know if there's wood around me, but maybe that's wood. I don't know. Um, but I, I've also put in the work. So, I mean, it's part luck, but it's part, a lot of hard work. And, um, for some people, here's the unpopular opinion for some people, the rock bottom is unfortunately death. And, um, I think like in this case, in a way, I feel like this guy is like finally out of his misery because he was just always in pain and always sad. And like he says multiple times how he just felt nothing. And I'm not saying that he was like a lost cause or anything or that it's good that he died. But like, like he's finally at peace. Because alcoholism is a disease and a lot of people don't agree with that because they feel like it's voluntary and they feel like you should be able to control it. And, you know, God forbid you uh, compare it to like cancer or heart disease or something because people will basically call you a fucking animal because, you know, nobody nobody purposely gets cancer or, you know, heart disease or anything like that. Well, I, you know, I didn't purposely get alcoholism. And if I could have not gotten it, believe me, I would have. There's a big debate out on nature versus nurture. And I had both of those lovely things. Like, you know, I had genetic alcoholism in my family. 
And I also had a lot of trauma in my life that led to me trying to kill a lot of pain. And so it's not a choice. Maybe you don't want to call it a disease, but I believe that it is a disease. And for some people that are suffering, sometimes there's just, they're just never going to survive that disease. And their relief is passing away. And that's just unfortunate. And I know that's like morbid and stuff, but that's just how I feel. And it's still really sad. But it is it is a terminal illness if you think about it. Um, if I didn't get the help I got, mine wouldn't be in quote unquote remission. But I could I could go back out at any second and I know myself. I know that I don't do anything half assed, good or bad. And I know that if I went back out, I don't have another I don't have another journey in me. I wouldn't I wouldn't make it back. I just know that. And that's what keeps me sober. Um, because I prefer it on this side and I love it and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to just, I don't, I'm not much of a prayer, but you know, I'm like going to send positive energy out to anybody else that needs it and anybody else that wants to, to get sober. I mean, it's so possible and it's, I, I brought uh, somebody new to a meeting just today and just watching them take in all of this information and, and, and it was just a beautiful thing. And there was somebody there from out of town, uh, who raised his hand. Cause you, you ask anybody here for the first time, anybody here from out of town and he raised his hand and turns out he's a touring musician. And so like, there's some like higher power that put this guy at a meeting that I happened to be speaking at today. And I said, I was a musician before he said he was a musician and we just like locked in and ended up talking afterwards. And, you know, like life on the road as a touring musician is so tough. And for him to just happen upon this meeting today where I was the one speaking and like we get it, we both get it. And he had somebody that he could completely drive with and talk to after the meeting. And it's it's just it's a beautiful thing. And I, I just I'm sad, like celebrity or not. He was a human being. And he if you haven't read the book. Like I said, I, I didn't love it. I was frustrated by it, but that's my shit. Um, I mean, read it. It helped a lot of people. And I was glad to read, too. I, I heard uh, Hank Azaria gave a little interview where he talked about how he's 17 years sober and Matt Perry was the one that helped get him sober. And, like, <laughs> that's awesome. But, like, it's just too bad that he couldn't do for himself what he was able to do for so many others. And... um. I promise I won't always be this heavy, but it was just something that I wanted to get off my chest. So again, if you're out there and you're struggling with this and you want some help, you know how to get in touch with me. And um, if you don't want to get in touch with me, just look it up, go to a meeting. You don't have to say anything. You just go sit in the back and just listen. And if something helps you and you want to talk and you want to share, do it. And if you just want to listen, you can do that too. And there's no judgment. It's a, it's a beautiful program. And it's not as God-based as people think it is. People get really scared by stuff like that, and it's really not. My higher power is a tree. And that was one of the best bit of advice that I got from my buddy Andy. He said, like, what's your problem with all this? And I said, I don't like the whole God aspect. And he goes, point blank, it could be a fucking tree. And I said, you know what? Then that's what it is. 
And so uh, praise them trees tonight and um, much love to all you. I hope to see you guys out sometime. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Make sure you like, share, follow, all that good stuff. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Uh, spread the good word and uh, be nice to one another. That's it for me. I'll see you next week. Love you all. Bye.